Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Another high-quality Big East game tonight downtown. 8 o'clock tip-off between Creighton and Seton Hall. We welcome in our good friend from White Blue Review, Matt DeMarinas. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you guys? Good. We're going to pick your brain. You uh, you love and you understand the game of basketball, and you see a lot of women's basketball and a lot of men's basketball. And we, this came up today after watching Max Struess hit his half-court shot, Nevada hits a half-court shot, but they're of college Men and women, NBA, two of the three, you're able to advance the ball. Men's college basketball, you're not. Are you advance the ball with the timeout or keep it the men's way? Uh, advance the ball with the timeout. Really? Yeah. I just think I, I think that allows for more um, creativity and, you know, execution. Like, you can actually draw something legitimate up when mm. you advance the ball, and it also – makes you have to be more strategic with your timeouts. I think the the thing that makes it fun in the women's game, too, is, and obviously in the NBA, is like you have end-of-quarter situations, so you have multiple, yeah. you know, situations where you're operating in the clutch, if you will, even though the first, you know, two or three times it happens, it's not necessarily a, a clutch moment. Um, but I think it just, yeah, advance the ball for sure, because, Half quarters are cool and all that, but it's just unreal. They are cool. They are very cool. Like, <laughs> believe me, they're very cool. But the other part of it is, too, like, that didn't need to happen. He he'd missed, like, he, you know, he choked at the free throw line. <laughs> the guy from Nevada did before he had to, you know, send in a prayer from half court. It was funny, the di- you know, the dichotomy there of missing the free throows, but nailing the 50 footer. I, so I, I, I'm with you if, if we go quarters, which adds my next question. Mm hmm. You think men's college basketball will ever go to quarters? Yeah, that's tricky. Uh, the, I mean, the thing with the women's game, too, is it doesn't have as many media timeouts, so they also don't have as much, you know, commercial effect. Inventory. Yep. So, yeah, right. I was trying to think of the delicate way to say it. <laughs> uh, I, honestly, it, it's weird that the men's game doesn't have quarters. It's like the only level high level basketball that doesn't have quarters anywhere you look across the world um so but and then you look at the money that's in college athletics now and and then the money that's Mm -hmm. now pouring into women's sports i could honestly see more i see it less likely that men go to quarters as opposed to like volleyball and women's basketball have more like find more ways to have stoppages so they can sell ads okay. and whatnot. I get, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, uh, Matt, I, this was something that I had not had a chance to see until earlier today, but I'm curious on your thoughts. You were there. You've seen CHI Health Center at its at its loudest environment. the The letter to the students and what they were. They're trying to get across to the students. So basically, the way I read this thing is is be better than you were against UConn. What's your reaction to that? Because I mean, you 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 saw the environment. You know how it was. 
was that something that was unnecessary in your opinion? Not from what I observed or okay. heard. So I think this thing's kind of silly. I think it's unnecessary. I think the worst thing I heard was the F. Dan Hurley chance. That was it. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't think that's the worst thing you're going to hear if you're in a big East arena. Like, well, <laughs> I mean, can we just be a realistic? Yeah, yeah, right. I don't think it's polite to say the F word. I use it a lot. I don't think it's good manners, but I use it. Um, and I certainly never, when I was like a fan in the stands or whenever I am in the stands, I don't ever use the F word if I'm cheering against or for a team. Uh, you know, it's just not my style. Um, but I don't think it's like something that we have to just gasp at every single time we hear it in a crowd. I mean, yeah. what are we, what are we really talking about here? Are we, are we really talking about, the thing that blows me away is how it's coming from like the guy who probably uses the F word more than per capita than any <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. personality in college basketball. I mean, right. he dropped it on ESPN the other day, like, yeah. you know, live mic, hot mic, everything. He just screamed it. So what are we, are we really that, you know, does it really hurt our feelings that much to hear that word? I don't, I don't yeah. think it does. Um, I'm sure it's not nice to be told to, you know, go F yourself, but he also <laughs> kind of breeds that by the way he treats officials and right. his antics. Like it just kind of, it attracts it, if you will. Fair or not, it does. And I just think telling a crowd, I don't know what they're actually, what lewd gestures we're talking about here. If it's just the middle finger or if it's something worse or if the comments went beyond the F word. I didn't hear anything beyond that. So maybe they're addressing something that went beyond the pale. Mm-hmm. But if it's just the F Dan Hurley chance, I mean, they're going to Providence in a minute. They're going to hear much worse there. Uh, like, I guarantee you, Ed Cooley, Ed Cooley heard things that no one should be saying in the first place. Right. When he went there. So yes. Let's just let's just be. I don't know. I know it's immature. But let's be adults about what we're supposed to be saying in crowds and whatnot. It's just. You can't police all of that. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. Matt uh, friggin' D. Marinas. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> yeah. Matt F. and D. Marinas. Hey, so there is, uh, and 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 it was the question had to be asked yesterday. Matt answered it accordingly about future contract extension. But why is this discussion so hard? This seems like if I'm an outsider, Creighton basketball is at a good spot. It's at a high level. You got a guy that's been here for 14 years that is successful. Seems like a, a, a marriage, uh, you know, made in heaven. Makes sense. Keep Mac for the rest of his life. Let Creighton basketball hang out in the penthouse of the Big East. Why is this so hard? Or maybe you don't think it's so hard. Well, from the from the outside looking, you know, I definitely see what you're saying about why it shouldn't be that hard because there's enough variables there that should make for a match, if you will. I... I don't have all the puzzle pieces yet to figure out why it isn't. So that's kind of what I'm mm-hmm. trying to put together um, as I'm going through this. Uh, I definitely know it's not just a money situation. So, cause if it were, I think, I think, I think Mac would have already left a long time ago. Cause this isn't the first time he's been pursued. That's the other part of it. Like I think the rumors, you know, start the fire, if you will. And then, people start to kind of come, you know, pocket watch a little bit. They start to compare him to other, uh, you know, other coaching peers in the game and what they're paid and whatnot. I don't think money is the primary motivator. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. it can't be 
um, something that offsets other issues, but I just don't see it as the, as the linchpin. So I don't know why it's difficult. I don't know what the main issues are, but they need to be worked out because they clearly exist. Like it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it does anybody any good to pretend that there's not, you know, some kind of a rift there. And that's kind of just what needs to be worked out right now. Behind the scenes, um, between the powers that be and Mac and his agent and all that kind of stuff, because, you know, it's a situation that I think Creighton should do what it can to keep Greg McDermott happy and keep him in Omaha for as long as he wants to be in Omaha. Um, Because it's a hard situation to look at if you, like, say, you know, especially when you look at the coaching tree that, you know, has kind of branched off of him with his assistants and what they've done Mm -hmm. as head coaches now. Like, it it kind of, see, I don't, I'm not always a keep it in family guy, but it seems like you've got a lot of really good head coaches in the country that could take over for him one day and not have a drop off in quality and what you're doing as a program on the court or off of it. But if you if you let Greg McDermott leave under less than flattering circumstances, yeah. do, does that coaching tree even become an option then? Right. Or those or those guys kind of be like, well, if that's how if that's how Mac was if that's how Mac was treated at, at his peak, what what's mm-hmm. going to happen to me? You know. Um, so then then you limit your candidate pool of who wants to come in and coach, and you know you end up in a dangerous situation. Like I think we talked about it earlier you know, months back when you were asking me about DePaul. Yeah. I mean, that was a situation that wasn't, we like, I don't think DePaul saw DePaul coming. You know, you're in Chicago, you got a good program, you're turning out NBA players, you know, you're in NCAA tournaments, you're ranked, and then, you know, little by little by little, you turn into what we see now is basically a punchline. So that's the thing that, you know, it's a very fragile situation in college athletics. You know, you're, it's hard to be good. It's hard to stay at the top. And if you don't do the right things, you could easily become the seller dweller before you know it. it well, and, the, and that's an interesting point because I, I don't think we're, I don't think we're close to entertaining this program without Mac because I, you know, I, I feel like this will get done. It's just a matter of when the, the program itself, I, I think we know about all the good things that, whoever would take over that program if it never did work out with Mac or even when, you know, Mac just decides, Hey, I've, I've done all I can here. I'm, I'm ready for retirement. What are the things that would concern you about the Creighton job? Because I think we know all the pros, but what are there things that would concern you about it? Um, I don't know if there's anything surface level that would. Right. So I think they have, they have financial backing. I think they have a good booster base. I think they have people who are willing to invest in the program from an NIL and facility standpoint to make sure, you know, the kind of the athletes have all they need to be successful. And so I think it would just become about the basketball and then there would be a trickle trickle effect mm-hmm. from there, you know, so that whoever replaces Mac has to be the right hire because if you don't, yeah, if you don't sustain what Greg McDermott did, then you're in a really precarious situation to, to nail the next one, if you will. Because once you start this cycle, and I don't need to tell anybody in this state, (laughs) (laughs) once once you start this cycle of like swinging and missing at candidates for various reasons, like you hire, 
you know, someone you think is like a hard nose, you know, has the right style to be successful and they don't work out. Or then you go to a, you know, uh, a totally different style, or then you go for homegrown and try to galvanize the fan base. You know, if you whiff on those, you just start this never ending spiral of mediocre to bad to worse production on the court. And when that starts to happen, then everything else dries up. So mm-hmm. that's what I mean about it being a delicate situation because you're never that far off from the fall off. If you make the mistakes yeah. behind the scene that, that just lead to the chain reaction, lead to the domino effect. Let's, uh, let's chat about tonight. How much of what happened in New Jersey do you think we'll see, and, and not, not the result or payback or whatever, but how the game was played that we'll see tonight? Because if, I go, if you go back to where Creighton was at that point, they're better. Where Seton Hall was at that point, they're better. What does tonight's game look like? I'm I'm curious to find that out myself because I think Seton Hall has a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde season going on here, and there's no question they've played better in their own gym than they have away from it. So I'm curious about that part of it mm-hmm. because you know it's hard to win at CHI in the first place. It's also really hard to do it when you don't really have you know you haven't really been super consistent and solid on the road compared to where when you've been at home. So I'm curious about that, but I mean, in terms of the game itself, when you just look at the matchup on paper and forget the variable of, you know, the crowd and the environment and home road and all that kind of stuff, when you eliminate that, if you if you want to, um, you shouldn't, but if you do, this is a crazy good matchup. I, I could easily see it becoming a game that we saw the first time because I think Seton Hall might have the most underrated big three in the conference. They just don't get the notoriety, but you look at Jadari Richmond, you know, if Seton Hall were just maybe two games better in the standings, he could easily be the player of the year in the conference. And, you know, Alamir Dawes is just a, a human torch when he gets going. Like, he, you can play as good a defense as you want to, but if he starts if he starts letting it rip and he starts getting his swagger going, like, you cannot shut him off. Um, Dre Davis is a really tough matchup. He's been playing really well, you know, the last, I don't know, three, four weeks, honestly. Like, he's just been super consistent for them. And then Jaden Bediaku is probably the most under, like, yeah. underrated five-man in the league. When you think about all the five-men that kind of get get hyped and get the push, like, he doesn't. But, you know, he's an offensive rebounding machine. Might be the best in the league at that. And, you know, he protects the rim. He holds his ground for being an undersized big. Like, he's really good. Um, they're just really, really solid, you know. They have a... I think they have the most underrated core of studs in the league because here they are in third place all by themselves coming into Omaha. And there's a reason for that. You know, Shaheen Holloway has coached his butt off, but those studs have been, have been really good when they've needed them to be. So I could see it easily being a game like it was the first time where it's just punch for punch down the stretch. Yeah, you mentioned Bediaco, and if I remember Craig coming off of that loss to UConn, it wasn't just Kalkbrenner. It was the entire team in that, that UConn game to use a, a Fred Hoiberg term, got punked. And they responded well. But but Kalkbrenner, more than anybody, really asserted himself in that game. And you mentioned Bediaco and, and how he plays too. Is that just a, is that going to be a favorable matchup to look at where, I mean, not much of it changes in what Creighton wants to do, where that thing is, I mean, it's filtering through. I know that should be the game plan most nights, but especially in this one where we saw Kalkbrenner really kind of man up in that one. 
Yeah, I think it's the one matchup where Creighton maybe has the biggest potential gap in in production and level of play, possibly because, like, you know, Kaufman's A game versus Bediaco's A game. Yeah, right? yeah. Because uh, I mean, Davis Davis versus Shireman is really. I mean, that was a really good matchup the first time, and I think you know they're both capable of of doing what they do. And then you have Trey versus Kadari and Ashworth versus Dawes, like. Yeah, there's a lot of when you look at the other three main matchups, there's a lot of neutralizing factors yeah. there. Um, with Kaufmanner, his A game, his best when he's, you know, when he's blocking shots, grabbing rebounds, getting early post steals, running the floor, scoring at an effective level around the rim, getting other guys in foul trouble, etc. Like that's his his A game probably has the biggest gap between his counterparts mm-hmm. tonight. So yeah, that might be the matchup you look at in terms of what creates a separation there. Hey, going back to St. John's, Mason Miller was uh, under the weather, but still plays a position which they're still working on. Through the rest of the next two weeks, and then as you go to Madison Square Garden, and then, of course, the NCAA tournament, right now, in your opinion, what's the ideal situation to finish, to, to figure out the four spot? Uh, I, think the, I think the split between Mason and Jason is healthy and good. I think they both do things at just enough of a different level, you know, to, to fill out a complete player there. And I think when you look at how much the other four have to do, you don't need somebody who at that position who needs to be, who needs to have the ball in their hands or, you know, needs to have a certain amount of shots to be productive. Like there's other ways that Mason and Jason can be, you know, can impact winning that kind of, you know, complements the other four. So, I don't think they're that far off at that position. I know, I know when you look at it statistically, those you know it doesn't look like there's there's impact there, but there there is and there has been throughout the season. So I think what it, what it what it has been at its best has been, you know, plenty good enough to fill out what this team needs. What will? It's it's tough to it's tough to even ask this question because I think we we know what Creighton is. We've we've seen the highest of highs, and and I'd, I'd like to think we've seen the you know their lowest of lows. But between this matchup tonight and what you get out of Marquette, what do you ultimately take away from Creighton with these sort of unique challenges that Seton Hall will bring and then subsequently Marquette will bring on Saturday? In terms of just what what do we take away from Creighton at, on you know, whether they finish this, you know, two and oh this week, one and one, oh and two. Oh. Does it does a lot change about how you kind of think of this team? That's a good question because, like, not really, right? Right. I mean, the basic thing, like they've the, the the turkey's almost done here, you know. Um, I mean, I think I think I think you want to protect home court. I mean, that's a that's an important one. I don't know if it's super important at this point because they're probably not in the Big East title race anymore. I don't even think they mathematically are in it. If I last checked, so but you just don't see UConn falling that far. Off, right. You know yeah. I mean, they're they're. They're not losing two in a row um, at this point. So, um, and then the other part of it is too, like NCAA tournament seeding is kind of the thing that always drives the conversation at yeah. this point. When you're, when your team was in a locked position, and then you, you know, you 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 know you're in. You wanted to try to improve your seeding. I just look around. I, you know, you watch a lot of college basketball, and you're just like, the seeding matter this year? I mean, honestly, <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Like, I, even, when, even if you think you're on the eight nine line, are you scared? Like, are you scared of the ones the way you normally would be scared of the ones? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think so either. Like, I, I, 
I, I think is as wide open as it's ever, ever been. And I know that's an easy thing to say. It's kind of a platitude at this point because every year that you get an upset, you, you know, you hear people say, oh, look at the parody. Like, I really think this year, especially when you looked at like last year, Miami, San Diego State, Florida Atlantic in the Final Four, I think that's more of a trend than a blip, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we could see it again. When you look at just the the type of games we've been seeing, it's not just it's not just who's been good; it's how the games have been decided. So I I, I just don't know if it's, if there's a whole lot that matters other than performance. You want to be you want to be ratcheting that up as you go this point of the year. You want to be finding your your high high level that you can kind of. You know how you get there, you know how to access it, and you know how to turn it on when it's time to turn it on. So I think that's the thing that they're probably looking for more than just like what do these games actually mean, you know, on their own um, for in a win-loss standpoint. Well, you'll be a busy man come uh, March with uh, the men and women. Uh, looking forward to uh, tonight, uh, your reaction, your post-game, and of course uh, I can't wait as uh, it is a must for all Creighton fans, the pregame uh, preview that comes out on White and Blue Review. As always, my friend, I appreciate it. Enjoy tonight. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. That's uh, Matt DeMarinas from uh, White and Blue Review. Uh, Creighton tonight takes on Seton Hall. It'll be a good game. At 8 o'clock tip. Uh, Jimmy will be on the air at 6 with the pregame show. Mm-hmm. Hanging out with Joey. Always a good time. <laughs> wow. uh, there's no sarcasm. Uh-huh. I, enjoy, I enjoy my time with Joey. Wow. <laughs> I'm trying to be hype guy for the game, and yeah. you're like, eh, okay. The game's going to be fun. I'm excited to watch the game. What about that pregame show? Well, it'll be yeah, fun, too. pregame show. Going to bring it. I'd rather watch the game than the pregame show. Going to match the energy I, level on the floor. Just no overtimes, please. No <laughs> Play a good basketball game. I'd like a 6 o'clock tip, overtime's no, okay. No, 8 o'clock tip, no. Man, nobody get hurt. Just you know. In fact, 79-62, Creighton wins tonight. 17-point <laughs> win, huh? Yeah. They'll pull away. Oh, okay. That, that would... Uh, that, that would raise some eyebrows around the Big East. Yeah. To win by 17. It, if they're playing at home or not. Yeah, they're going to play a lot better tonight. Uh, it's a different matchup. I know. Yeah. St. John's, St. John's is a very, very bad matchup, and Creighton is very fortunate not to be 0-2 against yep, St. John's. That's a good point. Everybody has that one team that is their... And that's their hey, this is the NCAA preview week for Creighton. I like that. Against I, Hall and yeah. Marquette on uh, yeah. Saturday. All right, uh, Brandon Vogel is going to join us uh, coming up in the uh, next uh, hour. It's uh, Mornings with Sharp and Hanley and Jimmy on 1620 The Zone.